FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 415 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason Minable, and it's a bonus episode for the debut of the premiere of The King in Black, which is, of course, the Venom event rocking the Marvel Universe, and Wolverine is, of course, involved. And so, this will be a quickie. Uh, quickie episode. We have two things to talk about. King and Black number one. And then we'll also catch up on Savage Avengers number 15. So it's a dark and gritty bonus-ode. Um, you know, because that's how it goes sometimes. Especially when you're talking about Wolverine, right? <laughs> Especially when you're talking about guys that are really channeling like 90s Wolverine. But, um, yeah, and that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. It can be good, it can be bad, depends on what they do. And we'll talk about what they do in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, this is just going to be a, a quick episode, probably 20, 30 minutes tops. Um, just to kind of talk about the issues that came out this week. And then we'll get on, uh, we'll talk about what's coming next, which is quite a bit. Quite a bit coming down the pike, as I realize <laughs> in very recent memory what that expression is supposed to be. I always thought it was coming down the pipe. And I think I've talked about this before, so I probably should not belabor it. Um, but of course, John Wilson of Podcast Supreme, Make Ours Marvel, uh, the TFUK Transformers podcast, all the pouches, and guest galore has been on here several times. Um, and, and, and pointed me to the fact that it, the expression is really coming down the pike, which I still don't entirely, entirely understand, but in pipe, anyway. Anyway, not, we're not here to talk grammar. Though, definitely go listen to all of John's shows. And his guest spots on all the other shows he, he guest spots on, because there's a bunch. He is podcasting deity. So, go go bow before him. Um, anyway, uh, King of Black number one, Savage Avengers number 15 is what we got on the docket. And I gotta say... Well, let's just get into it. King in Black number one. The event is starting now. And we can find the title page. It is, of course... Well, is it at the end? Is it at the back? It's one of those back title pages. It is. Chapter one, Rain. You know, it should have been called Black Rain. <laughs> but maybe that's been done too much. But um, anyway... Uh, and of course, it's it's rain because the symbiotes are raining on the planet, but also R I, R E I G N. How do you spell that? Um, like the reign of a king, because he is the king in black. Not to be confused with the man in black, Johnny Cash. Now, do I just see Ryan Stegman draw Johnny Cash? Anyway, interesting. Um, all right. This, of course, is written by Donnie Cates, penciled by Ryan Stegman, inks by J P Meyer, uh, colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Stegman, Meyer, and Martin. It's a pretty cool cover. Uh, it's a classic, like, hero compilation pose cover. So in the background, looming large is Noel with a giant, just, I just ate the world grin. <laughs> and then in the foreground is Venom, doing his Venom pose thing. 
And then behind him are action shots of Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, Wolverine, Cyclops, and a tiny little Spider-Man swinging away. Uh, it's a fine cover. Um, I've seen Stegman do a lot more interesting covers, but this is well drawn. It's good. It's fine. So, we start off with Eddie Brock with his long beard and long hair that he's rocking right now, uh, standing on a rooftop in downtown New York, and he knows that Noel is coming. Or should I say cannoli? Just to get on all you guys' nerves. Cannoli. He's a cannoli. The space cannoli. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Brock knows that he's coming, and he has a, a Bluetooth in to the Avengers and Captain America, and he says, It's time. Then he jumps off the building and uh, venomizes up, gets into his venom suit, spins a lot of webs. Uh, he goes full venom with the, the mouth and the tongue and everything. And of course, he's huge and he's swinging around. And he says, The call goes out. We see everyone, what I'm assuming are heroes and general gen pop alike, um, get this like Avengers warning that comes up on their smartphones, like the Avengers logo with a red, red screen pops up. Which is it's kind of a cool idea. I don't know if I've seen this before. Um, but the idea that, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people in real life we would say it's probably it's an invasion of privacy or something. But, but the idea that, you know, if the Avengers are protecting the world um, and there's a world damning calamity coming along and they need to, like, protect us or evacuate us or move us or whatever that the general population would get, like, you know, kind of like an Amber Alert on your phone, right? Or it's like an Avengers Alert. Like, hey, Avengers, breaking into your normal programming to tell you, uh, CYA, cover your ass. <laughs> get, get underground, get in a bunker, meet at the, uh, the Avengers-sanctioned evacuation points and do something because the symbiotes are hitting the fan, or, you know, in this case. Um... So I, I thought that was a nice touch. Pretty cool idea. So uh, Venom talks about that. He's worried about the coming fight with Noel. And he's scared. He is. He's willing to admit it. But he's more scared of this. And we see what this is. He uh, he comes home. Comes in the, the window of his I don't know, apartment. Whatever it is. And sees Dell and his son sweeping. It looks like on the sofa probably. Um, and he just. He, he is tortured by the life that Dylan has been exposed to. And of course, um, remember from the, uh, the carnage of it, you know, Dylan now has like symbiote related powers where he can access the hive mind and stuff like that. You know, it's all been leading up to this. I didn't, I haven't read Venom in between. I take that back. I didn't read a couple of issues, uh, the Bagley did. And they've been prepared for this. You know, they've had a contingency plan and all that. And so, um, Luckily, after um, uh, Empire, you know, our last Marvel event, uh, they have all these Kree and Scroll ships just kind of floating out in a uh, space junkyard. And Tony has commandeered them and turned them into, like, symbiote fighting bombs. And just in time, there's a horde of, like, symbiote dragons flying towards the planet. And um, he opens fire. Of course, we know that fire and sonics and electricity hurts the symbiotes, so he he blows these, starts blowing the ships up, and you know, Venom feels it, he's taking uh, Dylan to a bunker from 
the old uh, JMS Spidey days with Ezekiel when uh, Ezekiel gave Spider-Man that bunker. Um, you know, Spidey just shared it with Venom uh, to protect his son. But he feels it. But he feels that it's not enough. And even with all those ships, that, those those that armada, literally floating beyond our planet, all of it blowing up, there's still like a million dragon symbiotes that break through the atmosphere. And it's actually a pretty cool page. The title page, double page spread, you know, with the title "The King in Black" across the top, and we see like the bottom of like um, New York's the Manhattan Harbor or whatever that's called. Um, and then some Avengers ships flying in um, to start the evacuation and just a rain of symbiotes falling from the sky. It's a pretty striking image. So they get to the bunker and Dylan argues uh, that he doesn't want to be left here. He can help. He has powers. Maybe he can you know, take over some of the symbiotes and, and such. But Eddie's like, no, you shouldn't have to deal with this. This is my life, my problem. I promise to protect you, and that's what I'm going to do. And it's actually a really touching scene. When uh, Kate focuses on the father-son dynamic is when Venom or you know Venom events really sing to me. Um, and this is a, a great scene. Um, you know, Dylan's arguing. He's like, no, no, no. And then uh, Eddie is, is shutting the, the door. He's closing it between them. And Dylan stops arguing and says, Dad, please come back, please. And and he just stares at him. He doesn't make any promises. He just says, "I love you, son." Which, <laughs> um, yeah, um, very emotional scene. Um, maybe more so if you have children or if you're a father. But I would I would think maybe for everyone, probably pretty emotional. And when you see the clang of the shutting door, and Eddie just leaning on the outside of it, and his solitude is interrupted by Captain America and his earpiece and says plan B bombs didn't work and that's our ground strike so they've gathered like so I guess magic also Noel's susceptible to magic I don't remember the only outside of Venom stuff I've read was that Silver Surfer Black which had Noel as well um and there was some cosmic power stuff that hurt him but I guess magic also hurts them so Doctor Strange is here um, and then we have other like electric and fire based heroes that are helping Captain America evacuate and then we get our, our shot and Wolverine for a shot so an X-Men strike team comes through the Krakoa gate uh, it's uh, at least Storm, Jean Grey, Cable, Wolverine, Cyclops, Nightcrawler and Magneto um, and Xavier is uh, talking to Captain America says hey we, we sent help this, this affects all of us so you know, I know we just had our sword of it, but hey, <laughs> we'll fight some symbiotes too. Um, and they keep saying that Thor's not around, which I'm not, I, I'm reading the Thor series, but I'm not caught up. I'm a little behind, so I don't know if that has to do with what's going on in his book. Uh, but anyway, Thor cannot be found, but of course, Xavier offers up Storm. And we get the idea she's about to like multiple lightning strike several of these demons, hundreds and thousands of them, but we don't get to see it, which was probably the first real disappointment of the book, was they, because it's the last panel on the page, the bottom right-hand corner, that Storm's like, all right, go, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate, and then we turn the page, and we're on to another scene. I was really hoping for, for like, a splash page of, like, Storm, because I was, I was really excited, because like, oh, yeah, Storm's going to do something, maybe do more than she's done in, in most of the Dawn of X books until... Uh, ten of Swords. Um, 
But no, we it's going to mostly happen off panel, unfortunately. So that's a pretty big disappointment. I will say Stegman's Wolverine, uh, as always, looks fantastic. Um, and I actually really like his Kid Cable as well. I do not want to change on the Cable book. I love what Noto's doing there. But if they ever decide to focus primarily, particularly on the adult Cable, I think Stegman would be a good choice to do a book like that if he wanted to. Um, anyway, so we see uh, Venom's plan next is there's one of these spiders from the Carnage event that Carnage used to like take over the hive mind, and Venom's going to hook into it, see if he can maybe control some of the symbiotes. Um, but of course, everyone's getting overrun. There's too many symbiotes. And then we see that Noel is defeated and and taking over his first nemesis. Nemesis. We have three uh, symbiote celestials that are coming to destroy the planet and help him subjugate it. And of course, he comes out of one of them. Um, Noel's design is it's okay. I mean. He's got, like, this medieval-type armor and the spiky shoulder pads and, like, a, a Venom sinister cape. <laughs> and, of course, he's, he's white with red eyes and long white hair. I don't understand why he has the Venom spider symbol in red on his chest. I don't know if that's been explained in the Venom book or not. Like, is the spider some prehistoric symbol of power and it just happened to coincidentally be the same uh, that and land with Spider-Man. Of course, I guess, you know, going back to JMS, that's all tied into spider lore and preordained and predestined and whatnot. So if there was a spider totem at the beginning of time that was tied to Noel. It would also uh, make sense that the spider suit would find uh, Peter during the original Secret Wars if he retconned all of that. Um, anyway, his design is okay. Stegman does a good, uh, good job drawing him. It's just kind of an okay design. Um... Anyway, he's here. He's on Earth. And he approaches the heroes and scoffs at them. Says, bye, who are you? But the secret weapon is the sentry. Um, he uh, has killed Carnage before. So he flies in. He uh, uh, gives us uh, Celestial an aneurysm by flying through his head, which pisses Noel right off. And he grabs Noel, flies up into the sky, but Noel says, you know what? I am the king in black, the king of darkness. All darkness bows to me, including the darkness inside you. You have the void. I am the void. And he rips the sentinel in half, pulls the void out, I guess, or just kills him. I'm not sure. But he's like, nice try, guys. <laughs> and then um, our heroes are in despair as Noel somehow literally pulls symbiotes out of the ground. Or turns the ground into like symbiote tar and catches all our heroes, including Wolverine. Um, and then he makes the dragons form into like a literal sky net, not from Terminator, but like an actual net in the sky as the dragons like all link up and they literally envelop the whole planet Earth in a symbiote dome. Um, which of course cuts off Storm from her elemental powers and and she is surrounded and starts to feel claustrophobic. They don't actually spell out that her concern is claustrophobia, but you definitely see her start to panic as she's surrounded by symbiotes. So I'm reading in the claustrophobia. Um, and then Brock says, okay, this isn't working. 
we'll offer a trade, try to buy you guys some time. We're going to give him what he wants, which is me. He wants Brock. And so he connects in to the hive, finds him, lets uh, Noel know where he is. A giant symbiote hand reaches up, reaches into the, the place where the spider is underground, pulls him up, pulls him to Noel, and Noel's like, Eddie Brock? I thought I killed you. Brock's like, no, you want me. He's like, no, no, wrong Brock. I want your son. So I'm going to take my child from you. And he rips the Venom symbiote off of Eddie. And says, and then I'm going to go kill your son. And he throws Eddie off of the top of the Empire State Building, the Venom State Building, if you will. Um, and that's the end of Chapter 1. So, first of all, the art is fantastic. I'm a Stegman fan. Uh, particularly with Martin's colors, it looks really good. Um, looks quite, quite good. So, so good job there. The story, um, so I can, I can kind of take or leave Noel in general. I mean, it's an okay concept. I prefer, you know, listeners, dear listeners, please help get me up to speed because I'm a little lost because I haven't read all of the Venom stuff and just kind of issues here and there. Um, so the idea of the Clintar uh, from Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy when, when Venom was part of that team and there was this peaceful planet of symbiotes. Has that been addressed as like an offshoot? Like symbiotes that rebelled against Noel and started their own Venom symbiote planet? Because we know that the Venom symbiote was a refugee from there unless that's all been erased. So I guess that's my question. Has the Clintar stuff been erased? Has it been absorbed into this mythos? Because I really enjoyed that story. <laughs> so I'm going to be kind of bummed if it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but, you know, if they tie it in, and even better, actually bring it into this story somehow in the end, that would be cool. Um, the idea that Noel is like this god of darkness from the dawn of time. I mean, okay, I mean, how many of those guys have we had? But, like I said, his design is not particularly engaging, um, unless you're a hardcore Venom. Like, look guys, if you're really into the Venom book, and you're probably enjoying him as a villain a lot more than I am, especially if you're reading it and all that. So, that's very fair, and, you know, I would not try to take that away from anyone. Definitely... You know, enjoy it if you're enjoying it. To me, as a bad guy, not really the crux of this story. Where this story really hit home was the pacing was really good. Um, you know, it was just, it was bang, bang. It, it had a lot of good action, but also some good emotional beats, right? Um, the art was really good. The idea of the symbiotes, like, covering the planet was kind of a nice touch. And I don't know if symbiote's going to take over our heroes now that they've been swallowed or what. Um, this kind of has... I hesitate because it's not as good. But it kind of has, maybe because I just read it, some some Infinity vibe to it as far as like... I don't know if there's going to be... If, if the Venom symbiotes, if the symbiotes take over our heroes or, or something that could kind of feel like the doppelgangers maybe a little bit, I'm probably grasping at straws because I did just read like 
the last several weeks dominated by Infinity War reading. Um, so it's probably not a real connection there, but but it's similar in like scope and and pacing, right? Um, so that, there's some cool parts there. Uh, the dragons, you know, or Stegman draws them really horrifically and ugly and terrifying, and and that's cool. Um, to me, where this story really lands is, and I I think I've said this every time I've talked about Venom, or at least Kate's Venom on this podcast is when it works for me it's all based around Eddie and Dylan because Kate's does a really good job with that and I'm not going to lie this issue both the scene of him coming in and finding a son asleep and the, just the worry and and regret that he's dealing with internally there and then the scene of him leaving Dylan at the bunker and like having kind of the fight, like the teenage son in the fight, but at the end, putting all that aside, and and Dylan just desperately wanting his dad to say, "I'm coming back," and he can't, but he says, "I love you instead." Like that was really powerful to me. And then at the end, where Eddie makes this big sacrifice to, you know, buy time not just for the world but for his son, and Noel says, "No, I don't want you." I'm going to throw you away because I want your son. And just what he must feel when Noel tells him that and just tosses him aside like old salad. Um, I don't know. Like that just All of that really just punched me in the dad gut. Um, which I'm working on a nice dad gut in this quarantine. Um, <laughs> my pandemic gut. Um, but no, it just, it really did. It really hit home as a father, you know, with a teenage son putting us in that situation, uh, I, obviously, I, I would like to think that our life is not quite as messed up as <laughs> Eddie Brock's, and that I have a little more uh, offer of stability to my family. But, um, but nonetheless, right? Like, I, those are chords that resonated with me, um, you know, as a father, someone who, who puts a lot of weight and value into being a father and you know most of my effort in life is about how I can try to be a better father and or, or you know be the best father I can be um and best husband and, and best you know friend and hopefully <laughs> hopefully the best uh entertaining podcaster for you guys that I can be not the best by any stretch but the best that I can do right um but anyway enough of that so the the relationship between Eddie and Dylan is when that is the focus, or at least if not the focus, because I think you can argue it's not really the focus here. The focus is Noel taking over. It's the plot, right, of him taking over the planet and wrapping it up in symbiotes. But the underpinning, the emotional structure of the story, is based around the father-son dynamic, and to me that really works. So I can kind of take or leave the quote-unquote plot with the emotional beats nailed it for me. So I'm going to actually, you know, I, I was not looking forward to reading this. I was actually, and I'm still not looking forward to reading all of it, and I, I'm not going to buy or read all of the tie-ins unless Wolverine is in all of them, like he was for Infinity War. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I was actually kind of worried this event, <laughs> I, I think I joked with Dan and Georgie and uh, Grant, 
um, in our our Twitter message group that you know King and Black might kill the podcast and go snicked. I really was not looking forward to it. I didn't really enjoy the Carnage event, and I kind of felt like this would be the sequel to that. Um, but all in all, like, this is a pretty strong first issue emotionally. Um, so I think what I'm going to average that out to, I love the art. The plot was fine, but the emotional beats were strong. I'm going to give King of Black number one a pretty solid and surprising, for me, four out of six claws. Um, I would imagine, those of you who have been reading and enjoying the Venom book overall, I would think you would probably put put this in more of the, the five, high five out of six category. Um, my kind of drawback from... Well, anyway, I don't need to rehash everything I just said. That's annoying. But anyway, that's where I am. Uh, a very solid and surprising four out of six claws for King of Black number one. All right. So Savage Avengers... Number 15, Defrocked. Written by... Oh, so with everyone doing credits at the end now. Um, that's not even the case. Where are they? Oh, here we go. Uh, written by Jerry Dugan. Art by Patch Zerker. Or Zercher. Uh, colors by Yava Tartaglia. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And the cover is by Valario Gian Giordano and Frank Diamarda. And the cover's fine. We have um, a guy in a robe, which we'll find out is the priest of Kulin Goth. Um, and then we have our strike team of Wolverine, Hellstrom, Black Widow. Interestingly, Elektra is not on the cover. But anyway, they're fighting what looks to be Stonehenge against these priests with swords. Um, I don't think it's a very good cover. Uh, this guy's like primarily a cover artist. I don't really see the appeal, to be honest. Not to hate on him, or her, or them. Um, but, I don't know. Just not for me. Alright, so, when last we talked about Savage Avengers, I wasn't really particularly enjoying getting back into it. I kind of enjoyed that Wolverine was not on the book. I could drop it, and I haven't really read it, and then we picked it back up, and I didn't really love it. Uh, since then, Issue 14, which did not have Wolverine, came out. And it was our other team of Magic and um, Conan and Black Knight and Juggernaut uh, fighting this dragon, trying to get the other Eye of Agamotto. That was actually a pretty fun issue. Um, actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So it was really interesting to see what happened here. So let's see what happens. Um, we're in Mexico. And... We have this police force, and they're being they're boarded up in the precinct, being attacked by these guys with the parasite of um, oh, what's it called now? Not Kulingas the wizard, and he's summoning the eye tentacle guy, which is Shuma Garath. So anyway. You know, we learned last time that the Kulin Goth was putting poison in the drugs that put the parasite of Shumagarath and these people that made them grow the, the eyeball tentacle heads and go crazy. So they're attacking the, the cops, the precinct. Um, 
and rises the guy's about to eat one of the last cops. His head explodes and we see the Punisher. So we have Wolverine, Black Widow, Punisher, Elektra, and Hellstorm, uh, or Hellstrom, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say that, um, are here to save the day. And so they, they figure out what's going on in the town. These priests of Kula Goth have taken over the uh, cartel uh, via, I guess you would say, the the mansion. Um, so our heroes go. Uh, it's funny because they have like a, a bullseye on their foreheads. The Punisher shoots these two priests right through the, the bullseye on their forehead. And we see their brains blow out the back of their heads. Um, so they go in to the compound and Wolverine says, you know, anyone that doesn't want to die, take off the bathrobe and drop the sickle. Because our priests have these green robes and these like uh, sickle swords. And they all scream in unison, We're the priest of sickles and our master cooling goth. And Wolverine would get a snick and he says, Good, I love a guilt free scrap. So we have a. Excuse me. In this book, writes a pretty savage Wolverine and his savage Avengers. Um, so he and Frank Castle Punisher go to town on these guys, these acolytes. Meanwhile, uh, Black Widow, Elektra, and Hellstrom go inside to try to see who they can save. Um, and so. They go in, and there's these two priests with guns, and these these women, of course, in their underwear. They can't steal anything, uh, packaging drugs. Um, I think if this was a, a rated R movie, they would probably be nude, just based on what is it, Training Day, and those types of movies, where they're or no, uh, what was the one where Denzel was a gangster? Anyway, um, yeah. So they're like, who are these guys in costumes? And Blackwater's like, we're the entertainment. And she undoes her. Her suit to show some cleavage. The guy smiles and then Electra stabs them both through the back of the head. So they free the girls, tell them to run. But this high priest comes up. And one of the other priests says, I'm sorry. And the high priest cuts off his head and says, Apology accepted. Which is a great 90s action movie one-liner. Um, then Hellstrom's like, Okay, well now I can burn him. And we go outside. We have a nice reference to... I know it's not the last time they fought. Wolverine's like, this is more fun than those poachers back in Africa. <laughs> and Punisher's like, uh-huh. <laughs> Which, of course, the first time they ever met in in continuity, or chronologically, um, in the Punisher War Journal series that we covered a long time ago with Cameron, um, by Jim Lee Art. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, anyway, the guy's on fire, but he's not dying inside. Um, he's still fighting... He's able to... Hellstrom entraps him in a pentagram and wants to know where Kulin Goth is. But he's not saying. He's actually able to break free. Um, and throws Hellstrom through the window. Black Widow hits him with his stingers. And then Electra is finally able to like pin him to the wall with her size. And they're like, okay, Punisher, Wolverine, do your thing. So Punisher from the outside with these heavy machine guns, right, shoots through the wall, through the guy, he's bleeding, but then he looks up, is that the best you can offer? And then we see Wolverine's hand and blood come through the wall and through the guy's chest. He goes, nope, not by a long shot. I'm the best at what there, I'm the best there is at what I do. Um, a nice play on the phrase, because the guy was like, is that the best you have? He's like, no, I'm the best. So they drag him outside, and... Wolverine's like, last chance. And he's like, I won't tell you anything. And so Wolverine throws him into like a wood chipper. 
and a very gruesome scene of his like skin and bones and guts. If you ever actually, if you ever watch the episode of Bones, there's a guy that goes through a chipper, and, and of course horror movies. And oh, uh, is it Fargo? The original Fargo movie where a guy, or is it maybe one of the TV episodes? I don't remember. Um. Anyway, pretty gruesome scene, and then Wolverine's like, "All right, burn all the bits." So Hellstrom does. Wolverine goes inside and gets whiskey and some cowboy clothes because he got all bloody and ripped up. And then we switch over to the last page to set up the next issue, which is it looks like Magic is going to try to trap the dragon guy in limbo. So art is fine. It's serviceable. It's good at points. Um, the story is is gritty and gruesome and brutal, but Dugan does it in the right way. So, you know, I talk about a lot of times, there's the fastest of Wolverine I like, and not necessarily the cut, cut, stab, stab. But I don't mind that. I mean, it's part of his character. Um, you know, I prefer the more, like, character-driven stuff. But the action stuff's good, too. When it's done right, and I think you can have the really just brutal, violent stories and still have something going on, and I feel like this issue has that. Um, I haven't, re- I wasn't really enjoying the Kulangas story until we kind of split into teams and had a request, and now it feels like it's actually like going somewhere, and so it's more fun to read. Um, like I enjoyed it a little. It's kind of strike teams saving the town, saving the police, getting information, um, coming and in, you know setting people free, but also fighting and just the brutality of it and the gruesomeness of it. I, I still wish it was a little weirder. You know, we have Kulin Goth and Shuma Garoth who can be very psychedelic visually. So I, I, I wish the art and maybe the story will before it's over just kind of go into some more weird stuff. But honestly, what this felt like is and what kind of makes me wish that we had <laughs> is Dugan writing a non-mutant X-Force book that has more purpose than the current X-Force book. Um, so, in that regard, I actually think it's pretty good. I'm going to give Savage Avengers number 15 a 4 out of 6 claws. I thought Wolverine was, was fun in it. He's, he's a little, uh, you know, action movie 90s guy, but it's okay. Like I said, if you do it right, that's fine. Um... And this issue does it right. It helps that Conan the Barbarian wasn't really in, or Conan, sorry, uh, wasn't really in here. That kind of gives me some some extra points. Um, I like this squad: uh, Wolverine, Black Widow, Elektra, and Punisher. I prefer like '70s Damien Hellstrom to modern Damien Hellstrom. Like he had a little more going on than just oh, I'm Magic Satan guy with my magic. Uh, What's it? What's a trifork? <laughs> tried it. My magic tried it. Um. Anyway, well, you know, you can't fault people for that. That's kind of where he is right now. So, anyway, four out of six claws for Savage Avengers number fifteen. So, two books I was not necessarily looking forward to for this mini episode, and two books I actually enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would. So that's pretty cool. Um. All right. So coming up next, we're gonna double dip into the finale. Of Ten of Swords. Uh, we have the Excalibros on uh, very soon, next couple of days, hopefully, from when this comes out. 
uh, with our wrap-up of Ten of Swords for the podcast that goes next. And then also, um, probably within a week's time, uh, we have the Omega episode of Crossing Swords, which was the uh, podcast crossover event for Ten of Swords that uh, Homo Superior did, and of course includes them, myself, the X Reads podcast, House of X, and the comic book Queer's Legacy, which has been a lot of fun. Hopefully you've been enjoying those episodes, and not just the one I was on, but all the others as well. Um, and hopefully you've maybe um, reached out and explored some of those other podcasts as well, because they're all pretty good, uh, if I say so myself. So if my endorsement is worth anything, uh, you you definitely have it. Um, and then after that, we will hopefully... All goes. Oh, before that, of course, we're going to wrap up our, our another podcast crossover with Executioner's Song. Uh, you know, you, we had a, a really fun episode that came out on Cable Guide Podcast, and then the next one will wrap up on Excalibros, and then I will do something after all that to kind of, you know, have some coverage of the event on my show, but I'm very happy to. to to do that crossover with them. The first episode was a ton of fun. I'm expecting nothing less from the second episode for the Excalibros part. Um, very much looking forward to that. That should also be in the next couple of weeks. And then after that, uh, the podcast that goes snicked uh, should be getting back to more of a, a normal schedule as far as you know, getting guests back on the flashback episodes. Um, I've already started some of that conversation. Um, and hopefully I can stay on schedule and keep people keep that momentum going <laughs> but um yeah that's what's all coming up so uh, by the way uh, please check out the Excalibros and the Cable Guide podcast on your podcast platforms and Twitter and whatnot. Um, yeah so that's going to do it I uh, hope you enjoyed the little episode that was not quite as quick as I thought but still fairly quick um, and yeah hope everyone is staying safe and well out there guys um I know it's still pretty crazy, but I hope you guys are all doing okay. Um, and with that said, that's going to... Oh, duh, my my show. Uh, podcast go Snick. You can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Show notes and stuff for snickcast.podbean.com. And that is going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And snacked.